Ozark Highlands Radio is brought to you by the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas, a wonderful way to enjoy yesterday. On the web at OzarkFolkCenter.com. Hey everybody, this is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome to our show. This week, we're continuing our quest to play music that you won't hear anywhere else on the radio. We're featuring 19th century minstrel banjo music played by Clark Buehling and Carl Anderton. We'll also take a trip down into the vault to hear Mark Jones' latest pick of the week. And author, folklorist, and songwriter Charlie Sandage will continue his profile of the late Dr. Bill McNeil. All that and more this week on Ozark Highlands Radio. Clark Buehling is widely recognized for his interpretations of late 19th century classic fingerstyle banjo and is in the forefront of the recent resurgence of interest in the earlier minstrel banjo style. Much of his material is based around his extensive collection of 19th century banjo and mandolin instruction books and sheet music. Here he is on stage at the Ozark Folk Center, accompanied by banjoist Carl Anderton. Clark's music was introduced to me by a guy named Jim Curley, who owned a music store, the Mountain Music Shop in Kansas City. And he knew I was a bluegrass banjo player, and he also knew that, that I was a history enthusiast, and I had just started reenacting. I did that for a few years. And so he told me about Clark Buehling and George Wanderlicks, and the first time I heard Clark's music, I got, I got goose flesh. Pimples <laughs> on the back of my neck. I'm thinking, I'm listening to the real sound of history. This is so exciting. I got to do this. 
So I sat down with the instructional material and I worked on my own for about a year. And then Clark came through town and he gave me a lesson and he's um, rightfully a, a somewhat of a stern taskmaster and I was doing just about everything wrong. And, but I, I kept at it and I'm not all that great, but I, it, I love it and keep pursuing it. Let me talk to you about your hand position later. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. How long have you guys known each other? Uh, since about 2001. Okay. So yeah. better part of 15 years. Mm -hmm. oh, that's interesting. Has it been that long? Or Apparently so. West Africans brought here through the West Indies. Uh, and the details of that have yet to be discovered. 
have ideas of it. Uh, maybe the Portuguese had a hand in it. Uh, Very little is known about it. We just have a few paintings, and until, yep. until about eight years ago, there were no original surviving African-American gourd banjos. Mm -hmm. And then one turned up in a museum in France. Yeah. Then another one turned up. Okay. Yeah. So now, and uh, one of the leading gourd banjo manufacturers, Pete Ross, flew to France, and um, he was very interested. To, he, he analyzed every every bit of this gourd banjo, and several of he had to make. He did a lot of guesswork before before this was found as to how he thought they would have put it together. And I guess he said a lot of his guesses were were borne out in what he saw. Oh, good. job, Carl. Okay, so we've got that, uh, and then we've got it in the United States. We've got it on the the gourd banjo uh, on plantations, um, playing for um, little um, dances and uh, frolics. So on plantations, would that with Africans, would that have predated the guitar even as a oh, yeah. plantation instrument? Probably. Guitar wasn't very... The only guitar around was the English guitar, which is called a citern. That would be the only other instrument, stringed instrument likely to have been around, probably. But I'm just pretending to know. Well, of course, there's fiddles and, um, yeah. and, and, and the rattling of the bones, two rib bones placed between the fingers Right, is part of this. Those seem to be European in origin.
of old Tar River. I went from Tar to Alabama for to see my old Aunt Hannah. Raccoon and possum got in a fray. They fought all night until the next day. When the day broke, the possum cut a holler. So it's an exclusively, it, as we say, an instrument of enslaved persons on the plantation. Somewhere in the 1830s, it, uh, white people start playing this this formerly exclusively black instrument. And a, and a wooden in hoop. A wooden hoop oh. comes along, yeah. yeah. So the banjo's transformed in the 1830s. And the wooden hoop did? Yes. It, what? It, it, oh, it oh, replaced, replaced the gourd. The gourd. It was more durable. Mm -hmm. But there probably had been before, I mean, early on, any there probably had boxes been. or crates or any old oh, thing. A white man got credit for this. Yeah. There's no evidence to back that up. It could have easily been yeah. <laughs> um, a slave or, or anybody could have done it. And that hoop was also uh, teamed up with a calfskin head, mm -hmm. right? right? Well, the calfskin head was on the gourd, too, but... Oh, okay. Like we say, with the with the round hoop, it's more uniform construction and See, more now, durable. Okay, so I was thinking the gourd might have been just a solid body with a hole oh, in it. Oh, no. Cut, no. The, cut the top okay. off and tack a calfskin yeah. head onto okay. it. All right. Or a cat. Mm-hmm. Or a yeah. possum. That's right. Yep. Yeah.
the banjo string Just sang the song he would sing Green Road, my true love Come along, my darling Fire you well, my darling gal I'm one over the mountain This fellow went to feed the sheep Give them green tobacco leaf. He went some water for to get. He carried it in a corn basket. Arkansas musicians Clark Buehling and Carl Anderton playing some fine 19th century minstrel tunes. The Wood Up Quick Step, The History of the World, a James Scott tune, Old Tar River, and I'm Gwine Over the Mountains. After this short break, let's take a trip down to the vault for a visit with sound engineer Mark Jones. This is Ozark Highlands Radio. thought I'd head down to the vault and visit with Mark Jones, a good old buddy of mine who spends a lot of time down there in the basement underneath the folk center here. Oh, just kind of going through the music archives. Let's, let's see what Mark's got for us this week. Mark? Mark, are you down here? Yes, I am. Okay, I see you haven't replaced these light bulbs yet. I didn't couldn't see you with this dark shirt on over in the corner. Not yet. <laughs> I can see you now by the whites of your eyes, man. Yeah. Well, Mark, what kind of music have you found for us? Well, there's been a lot of string bands around here. There were string bands when the folk center opened up 
And uh, you probably know more about what a string band is. Uh, you'll have fiddle and what other instrument? Oh, usually a banjo and a guitar and maybe a bass or a mandolin. Yeah. Well, these guys came here. They are the Dogwood String Band. Aptly named for this time of the year. That's true. And I eventually I got to know one of them pretty well. Uh, one of them's Mike McGee. And the other two are buddies of his that he had coming up here and entertaining and playing here at the auditorium. Uh -huh, whose names are now lost to obscurity, but we know Mike McGee, don't we? Oh, yeah. Man, what a guy. He is. He's a very talented man. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love for you to listen to the Dogwood String Band. What song have they got for us? This song is Down in the Arkansas. Down in the Arkansas. Yeah, attributed, I think, to Jimmy Driftwood, who was, uh, oh, gosh, probably the most famous musician from Stone County, I suppose, and a man who wrote a lot of songs and he probably added a number of verses to this song, I'll bet. I bet he did. Well, let's listen to Down in the Arkansas. All right. Down in the Arkansas. Down in the Arkansas. Down in the Arkansas. Down in the Arkansas. Prettiest gal I ever saw was down in the Arkansas. Well, I knew a man and his name was Jack way down in the Arkansas. And he had a hog called Razorback way down in the Arkansas. Strangest thing you ever heard way down in the Arkansas. Why do you that hog shaved beard way down in the Arkansas? Down in the Arkansas, down in the Arkansas, down in the Arkansas. Prettiest girl I ever saw was down in the Arkansas. Now they had a wedding that couldn't be beat way down in the Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. With a boy named Oates and a gal named Wheat way down in the Arkansas. People sang in a major key way down in the Arkansas. They sang, oh, what shall a harvest be way down in the Arkansas? Down in the Arkansas, down in the Arkansas, down in the Arkansas. Prettiest gal I ever saw was down in the Arkansas. When I was just a little lad down in the Arkansas, my ma got married to my dad way down in the Arkansas. Grandpa got mad and cussed a while way down in the Arkansas. Two grandmas said that's the latest style way down in the Arkansas. Down in the Arkansas, down in the Arkansas, down in the Arkansas. Prettiest gal I ever saw was down in the Arkansas. Well, I had me a gal and her name was Lil way down in the Arkansas. I hugged that gal all over the hill way down in the Arkansas. The ball walked up and he called me son way down in the Arkansas. And he tied the knot with his rifle gun way down in the Arkansas. Down in the Arkansas, down in the Arkansas, down in the Arkansas. Prettiest gal I ever saw was down in the Arkansas. Well, I drank the tea that's made out of corn way down in the Arkansas. It'll make you a man the day you're born way down in the Arkansas. Well, they start courting with their knee high way down in the Arkansas. And they keep on courting till the day they die way down in the Arkansas. Down in the Arkansas, down in the Arkansas, down in the Arkansas. Prettiest gal I ever saw was down in the Arkansas. Prettiest gal I ever saw was down in the Arkansas. Thank y'all. Boy, that brings back some memories hearing a young Mike McGee, huh? It sure does. He's something else. He's yeah. a 
great talent in anything he sets out to do. There's a couple of verses in that song that I never heard before. Now you can learn them and teach them to your students. Well, I will do that. I think that'd be a good song for my students to learn. Mark, thanks a lot. That was really nice to hear that old song. Thank you, Dave. Come back and see me. I'll do it. Let's listen to some more classic banjo tunes by this week's guests, Clark Buehling and Carl Anderton. Clark was a founding member of the Arkansas string band, The Skirtlifters, and is now a member of the Ozark Highballers, who we featured on one of our earlier programs. Clark and Carl start this set with a medley of Butler's Jig and the Grapevine Reel. Suddenly, the whole the whole minstrel craze takes over, and this is the first genuinely American style of music. It's you know, a theatrical we, form, very very theatrical, and we haven't borrowed this from from Europe. You know, this this happened here in America, so it's kind of the genesis of all of our. Uh, we had sort of uh, you, you know the 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 classic um, is it um, French the or is it Italian? What's the uh, oh Commedia d'arte? So it's be. Um, Italian, right? Um, it has the Harlequin and the Pierrot. Well, that's French, isn't it? Um, <laughs> these, these characters that were European characters uh, in street theater, like street theater. We, this was, we had corresponding characters develop uh, early on in, in this comedic theater. Uh, the, they, but they were done in blackface. In other words, as characters, the characters taken using the exotic southern slave as a uh, curiosity. Uh, how did this person list? Because most of these shows were in New York and Boston and up north.
explodes everywhere, and it gets a little more sophisticated when, when, when these, their name, by the way, was the Virginia Minstrels. And when they did that show in December, it was just four guys on stage the whole time. It quickly morphed into something much more theatrical. And we have uh, stump speeches, we have dancing, we have wench dancers, we have white men in blackface dressed as women. And that was their speciality. Yeah, not a, so it's like there are two iron, ironies going there. <laughs> yes, right. the, that he's in blackface and that he's a woman, right? And and people... In a very conservative era, you oh, know, yeah. sexually. But who was, who was watching the shows? Um, young. Young white males, men. white males, um, were primarily uh, watching, going to the theaters to see this. And there were women available um, up on the, was it the third tier? Uh, I wouldn't know anything about uh, that. Oh, <laughs> in the back of the you theater. You just heard about it. There, <laughs> so it was a place for young single men to go, working men, blue collar, and, and the shows often played to them, to played to to the the humor or the understanding of things, or you know, to you know, like politicians will do. <laughs> Watchman was running around crying, old Dan Tucker's come to town, everyone, get out of the way! 
next what generation. What sparked that? The Jazz Age. The end of ragtime. The end the, of the kind First of the World end of, War. end of ragtime was kind of the end of the five-string mm -hmm. craze. Mm -hmm. And then... Troops you know, come home. The troops come home. They got a lot of spare horns. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes the, the what, what jazz is mostly played on, the saxophones, the trumpets, the trombones. And you need a really loud stringed instrument to accompany them, something mm -hmm. louder than the guitar. So you delete that short string on the banjo, you play it with a plectrum, mm -hmm. and suddenly you have an instru a rhythm instrument that can be played very loudly with the horns. Now, was that a gut string then? That's, I would have had steel strings. Yeah, it, um, it may have had gut strings to start with. But they quickly progressed. Went, yeah, I think so. Those were some more classic banjo tunes from Clark Buehling and Carl Anderton. They started that set with Butler's Jig and the Grapevine Reel, followed by The Smiler, Old Dan Tucker, which I remember well from my elementary school music class, and The Assembly March. We'll take a short break, after which historian Charlie Sandage will continue his profile of folklorist Bill McNeil.
You're listening to Ozark Highlands Radio. If you ever had the good fortune to visit with Bill McNeil, the Ozark Folk Hunter's resident folklorist for 30 years before his death in 2005, you were almost certain to pick up on the fact that despite his own academic training, including a doctorate from arguably the top folklore studies program in the nation, he had no trace of academic snobbery. When he was out collecting, on front porches and around living room wood stoves, he was just another neighbor dropping by to swap tales. Beyond that, he genuinely valued the work of homegrown collectors of folklore, people without formal training who simply had an ear for traditional stories and songs who sometimes became walking repositories of traditional lore. State archivist Jeff Llewellyn noted that McNeil loved to spotlight these individuals. Uh, showed his willingness to, to spread out, to let people see the different angles, even that other collectors and other people would do. So he would have workshops, whether it would be a ballad workshop where he'd have other singers and other song collectors, or folktale workshops where he'd have people who collected folktales, and, and sometimes they would call them, you know, tall tales, and, and, and then it would just go into a whole different kind of more comic thing, but even even it with, with Max, it was more just as serious and just as as uh, academic as far as being integrity as as anybody else. The Max Jeff referred to was Max Hunter, a traveling salesman from Springfield, Missouri, who from the 1950s through the 1970s accumulated a trove of Ozark tales, songs, and lore much of which is accessible online via Missouri State University's highly regarded Ozark Studies Institute. Bill McNeil brought Hunter to the Ozark Folk Center for special appearances on stage during the center's evening programs in the large auditorium and, as in this instance, for workshops. The next uh, performer I first heard on a record made about 30 years ago uh, a record which I don't think is in print any longer, Ozark Ballads and Folk Songs. Uh, it was put out by the Folk Legacy label in Connecticut. And he is and has long been recognized as one of the foremost collectors of Ozark folklore. Primarily, uh, most of the publicity he has gotten has been because of his folk song collection, which uh, he has some 2,200 songs that he has collected over uh, during the past 30, 35 years or so. 
but he also has a large collection of uh, Ozark folk tales, and uh, it is my pleasure to introduce Max Hunter. I didn't know where I was at. I'd think I was in a, with a bunch of big liars, but really these are not, I haven't heard a lie yet. Um, all the stories, if you would probably ask the people where they got them or heard them, they'd tell you they were true. And uh, that's where I, the ones that I collected, all the people said that they either knew people that these had happened to or something like that. Not uh, too far from here, I was at a man's house one morning and he was telling me about a lady that lived in the area that could and had turned people into horses and animals at night and would ride them all through the hills. And I said, well, did you know any of these people? And he said, well, I never saw anybody, you know, that was actually being ridden, but I have saw people that the next morning when they got out of bed, their hands and knees were all skinned up and they hadn't been to work uh, in bed. Anyway, these are tales that are all true. That's the truth, too. He's laughing, see. But um, about the only way I know to start something like that, just tell you some things that, like the other day, I went to see a fellow that I knew for a long time, and he lived uh, in a little country town. They were thinking about putting up a stoplight in front of his house. There was only one intersection, but uh, they wanted to hire him that every time a car come by, if he'd run up and turn the light on for him, <laughs> they thought they'd, they'd uh, pay him a little extra if he could get a little revenue that way. But when I went to see his house, why, the weather vane, and everybody in the Ozarks used to have weather vanes. You don't hardly see them anymore, Bill. And I asked him why. It was on the floor. He said, well, he didn't need it anymore. He said, if he wanted to know which way the wind was blowing, he just looked out to see which way the outhouse was leaning. <laughs> and he could tell. So I asked him what he'd been doing. And he said, no, not much. Said he'd uh, been doing a little inventing and a little repair work for the neighbors. And I asked him, well, what he had been inventing. You know, this sounded like pretty good, somebody in the Ozarks. He said, well, he had invented a an acid for a large company that would eat anything in the world. It would eat any substance in the world. And he said now he was working on trying to figure out what to put it in. <laughs> it's worth noting here that Dr. Brooks Blevins, a regular contributor to Ozark Highlands Radio, is now part of that Missouri State University Ozark Studies Institute program. Brooks is just one present-day scholar of Ozark history and folklore who frequently went to the proverbial well of Bill McNeil's legacy a legacy we'll continue to explore a little further later on. Thanks, Charlie. 
We're really lucky that folks like Clark Buehling and Carl Anderton are keeping this old banjo music alive. Dressed in period costumes and playing original instruments from the time, they remind us of an earlier day when music and life were simpler. Let's finish today's show with some more classic banjo tunes from Clark and Carl. Everybody started getting old and weren't playing it, and guitar replaced it. All these things are being played all the time. They just aren't getting public notice. Right. Okay. See, the guy so that gets the Fred Van notice, Epps, gets who recorded on uh, very early discs and uh, probably on cylinders too, did he not when he first started? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he kept playing until he died in the 1960s. But he wasn't recording anymore. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in the public's eye. His but style he had friends. Is no longer in vogue. Yeah, his style wasn't in vogue. 
And so with all the other things like mountain music, it stays in the background. It's played by common people or by people in uh, social groups, but it's not, yeah, who's on the radio, who's being recorded uh, is all determined. But all these traditional music and and classical music and everything is being played in all strata uh, all the time somewhere.
doing what? It's, it's a rather, it's a rather small <laughs> community. genre. Yeah, it really, really yeah. is. It's probably getting bigger uh, in large part because of the chocolate drops. They got that Grammy award, and but uh, yeah, it's uh, there's a well. We well, can... people tend to focus narrowly on a on a genre, and I think we have a broader sense in our playing. Uh, we cover our, we cover a broader area than many groups who will be very focused on, uh, you know, um, Appalachian this or West Virginia this or Missouri this, and and in a good that's in a good way because that allows the focus to pick up tunes that would be lost by the generalist, and I'm more of a generalist. Three more fine old tunes from Arkansas banjoists Clark Buehling and Carl Anderton. We heard Wait for the Wagon, Under the Double Eagle, and On the Mill Dam. That's about it for this week. If you're new to our show, you can hear all of our past shows by visiting our website, OzarkHighlandsRadio.com. For all of us here at Ozark Highlands Radio, I'm Dave Smith. See you next week. Ozark Highlands Radio is produced by Jeff Glover. Executive producer is Darren Dorton. Additional support for this program comes from the Committee of 100, proudly supporting the Ozark Folk Center State Park since 1974. Arkansas State Parks, with 52 unique reasons to visit the natural state. On the web at ArkansasStateParks.com. And by Stone Bank, with deep roots in Mountain View and a deep respect for those who preserve our heritage. More information about what it means to bank Boulder is at StoneBank.com. For information on upcoming shows and events, we are on the web at OzarkHighlandsRadio.com. Until next time, I'm Donna Farrar.